Welcome to God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. We're still drifting further and further ahead of where we are in drawing out Advent, with a look today at those shepherds who saw God come to us and then ran back out into the darkness to tell the story. If you haven't started listening to and watching Drawing Out Advent, it's still not too late to catch up. Even though there are only six new episodes left to come, the total runtime so far is just over an hour. 63 minutes to be exact. So you could binge that no problem between now and Christmas Eve. So follow the links in the show notes or visit www.godknowswhere.supercast.com to subscribe so you can journey with Adam, Thomas, and me toward Bethlehem. Thanks to them and to you for making this idea I had for my little family become something so many more families could enjoy together this year. Thanks for listening to the show and supporting the show. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's go. A reading from Luke 2. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom God favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. I don't think you can find a story that better captures our life as followers of Jesus than this one. You might find one that captures specific moments in your life. You might find characters with whom you identify. You likely have found stories that you love that make you think or laugh or cry. And there are a lot that leave us scratching our heads. But this one, this one captures our life, what we do and why we do it better than all the others. It's about a bunch of people going about their business whose lives get interrupted by some really good news. So they go and investigate it and they love what they find. And with that love, they go back to their lives and their work. This is you and me Each and every week, we go about our lives, our appointments, our meetings, our classes, we earn our paychecks, we take care of our families, we do the best that we can on our tests and our papers. And then we stop all that. We leave all that behind. And once a week, we go somewhere, usually inside a building with a steeple, in search of some good news. And then we go home. We go back to our lives and all those tasks before us. We repeat this cycle 52 times a year, give or take. It's a routine. We call it going to church. 
We call it becoming a member of this church or that church. Sometimes we even call it being a Christian. This cycle of life over there and faith or religion or spirituality over here. But this story reminds us that there's so much more to following Jesus than that. That there's nothing routine about it at all. And that it fundamentally challenges our perspectives and changes the way we go about our lives. In 2004, journalist Bill Bishop wrote The Big Sort. It was a deep dive into how for decades... Americans had already begun to sort themselves, not just on larger regional divides, not red states and blue states, but by smaller things, by the schools that they would attend or the schools to which they would send their kids, which churches they would or would never attend, which neighborhoods they would choose to buy homes. And that was all before Facebook and Twitter or whatever it goes by now existed. We still hadn't seen the first iPhone or considered anything to be fake news or gotten into debates about masks and shots and shutdowns. It's only become easier and easier for our communities, our neighborhoods, our schools, even our own churches to become more and more like echo chambers since the big sort came out. More and more reflective of what we think or how we vote or what we like or worse, what we don't. It's become easier to do this, to confirm our beliefs, to confirm our preferences or opinions, and not challenge them or change them for any reason. That's why we need to remember this story, because it guides us away from that pitfall. The shepherds weren't looking to do anything different that night. And in all likelihood, they were Jewish shepherds who held to the idea that the Messiah was coming in the future, and not that the Messiah had already arrived. So when they went where the angels told them, they weren't going to have their thoughts or beliefs confirmed for them. They went to confirm, to see, to investigate what God was up to in Bethlehem that night, to see if what the angels told them was true. And when they got there, what they had believed was challenged by the confirmation of the angel's story. The Messiah wasn't coming. The Messiah was here. That's a brand new story. That's a brand new way of understanding the world, especially for these shepherds. It's a brand new way of understanding God. And they had to come to terms with this new reality. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but they did it. They allowed God's movement in the world to change their perspective, not to confirm it. But they didn't stop there. They left. They went home. They went back to work. We can't forget that this story doesn't end with only their perspective being changed. Their demeanor is changed too. Their lives are changed. They are different. They feel different. They speak differently. They carry themselves differently than they did before they came to the manger. They came to the manger into the presence of God terrified. And they left there overjoyed. I know I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. Barbara Brown Taylor rightly notes in her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, that so many of us search for a full solar spirituality, one where the light never stops shining, where we try to block out or avoid or ignore the darkness by distracting ourselves into thinking that more light must always be better. More church, more sacred music, more devotionals, whatever. 
We desperately try to never leave the comfort and the joy of being in the light. But the shepherds didn't do that. They experienced the light there in that manger with Mary and Joseph and God come down to us. And then they ventured back into the darkness. They didn't stay there in the warm glow and the comfort of the light. They went out to take it to others. And they didn't do that because the manger wasn't the destination. It was the detour that reshaped their entire life's journey. We may or may not have a church home. But even if we do, it isn't our destination. Gathering to worship is a detour that we regularly make to reshape our life's journey. And I think detour is the right word, because strikingly few of the stories we read in our scriptures take place inside houses of worship. They all take place on holy ground and in holy spaces, but that ground and those spaces aren't holy because of the architecture. They are holy because of the presence of God. And we spend strikingly few hours inside the churches we call home. We spend a lot more of our time somewhere else, anywhere else. But it's all holy, and God is present in all of it. What we see here and read throughout all the stories of our faith is that God can be and is present anywhere. God is present everywhere. God invites us in and sends us out, and our world needs us to take what we experience here and carry it with us wherever we go. If we go to church, and I hate that phrase, if we go somewhere, it's easy for it to not become a part of who we are. But if we go to church and we don't leave differently than we were before we came, then why do we go? If we don't leave with more energy and excitement to dive back into the world, then what are we doing in church? If we don't experience something that reshapes or at least challenges our perspective and doesn't encourage us to share that experience with others, then how will the world ever change for the better? Church isn't a destination, but it can be where the journey begins, just like it did for those shepherds. So let's not go to church this Christmas. Let's go find Jesus and become the church. Let's be the church, the people transformed by God's story and Jesus' ministry beyond any doors, out in every field, in the midst of all that makes up our lives, out in the darkness of night and ready for the light of the morning. The shepherds leaving that manger was the first sending of the church into the world. It's the first glance we get at what it looks like to be a group of people transformed by God's movement in the world. It's the example we need to try to follow. It's the guide we need to shape our response to God's presence in our lives. Because we, like those shepherds, aren't exactly always excited to have our lives interrupted by what God is doing. But... We have to remain open to the possibility that God might do a new thing in a new place, teach us a new idea, give us a new perspective if we'll go in search. 
If we follow God's lead, things will happen in our lives that are so compelling that we can't help but share them with others, share with them what we've experienced. We can't help but leave God's home and return to ours to share good news with others. So like the shepherds, let's go. Let's go see what God is up to and let it change our hearts and our minds and our lives forever. God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife, Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family, and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It'll mean the world to me, and it'll help more people find God Knows Where. Thanks in advance for your help and for being here and for listening. Until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.